than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. What, what does a life that's built on Christ look like? Why are we looking at this? You know, when we think about this phrase, what does a, a life built on Christ look like? Just like that, and some of, some of you experienced that as soon as you read the title, just like that, you thought, now what must I do? Don't put your hands up. That's how we work. That's how we're, we're conditioned by this world. You thought, what must I do? To look like someone who is, whose life is founded on Christ. What must I do? What must I do? I've got the answer for you. <laughs> nothing. There's nothing you can do. Because when you try to do something, it's building on another foundation. You see, we learned this in week two. Not only is Christ the foundation, but he is the life. And it, 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 is, it can only be he who transforms us. We can't transform ourselves. So listen, the first point is this, that it, some, a, a life that is built on the foundation of Christ has a voice. But listen, please, I'm not saying this is not what God is saying. This is how you've got to talk. Oh, uh, my we're so good sometimes at learning what we should say. I'm a Christian, so I should say this. (laughs) No, the Bible says that we must speak only out of the abundance of the heart. It's, It's not about, now I'm a Christian, I should say this, and I should say this, and I should say this. No, no, that's flesh living. That's building on you, on your foundation. Not building on Christ. You see, when a life is truly built on Jesus Christ, Christ will speak through that life. And it isn't just the words. My, I have heard people that we say in England, when someone talks a lot, they could talk the the back legs off a donkey. Have you heard that expression? Yeah? Yeah? And I've heard some people, Mike, and they talk Christian talk. I don't understand what they say. They're using spiritual terms and languages that I think, okay, what does that mean? Now, I'm not going to judge whether that's coming out of their heart or not. But the life that is built on the foundation of Jesus will be Jesus speaking through us and it's not just the words oh you can sound good you can sound impressive but when jesus speaks through you listen there is life in every word when you speak when i speak just out of us there's no life there's no life now that that brings with it a heck of a responsibility because when you, when you open your mouth and Christ speaks, when he speaks his word, it is going to accomplish what he sent it to do. And we need to have the whole of our life built on Christ 
so that not only can we speak his word, but we can be engaged and we can be involved in what he wants to do in people's lives around us as well. It's not just preaching. It's not just saying the right things. It's allowing Christ to speak through us. His words of life. Life-giving words. As a man in the Bible called Paul, his life was founded upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. In fact, he is the one who wrote those words out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where he said there can be no other foundation laid other than Jesus Christ. He had a revelation of this. And so I like to listen to his words because it's Christ speaking through him. It's God. It's the life of God speaking through him. And this is how Paul spoke. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Life for Peter, sorry, for Paul was not all about him. It wasn't. He had abandoned his self-life and he had embraced fully Christ. Christ in him. He said in another place, when he mentioned Christ being in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory, the only hope that we have of any glory is Christ in us. And what came out of Paul's mouth were these words of life that have resounded throughout history from the time he wrote them and spoke them to those people. And they still have that life within them. And the life that is built upon Christ will speak these living words. They will not, you will not hear them speak about themselves. I, 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 I. You won't hear it. Now, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that person never uses the word I. What I'm saying is the content of what they're speaking about is not I. Listen, even this. Oh, I want to be a great witness. I want to reach out to people. I want to be a bold, courageous preacher. I want to be a, an evangelist. I. It's all about I. The life that's built on the, on the foundation of Jesus Christ doesn't make I the focus because I has died. I has died. And a dead body doesn't talk. But that life of Christ within us speaks. And it doesn't have to make self-declarations. It simply declares the living truth of Jesus Christ. It doesn't draw attention to itself. It only ever draws attention to the Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't build for itself a little following, a little gathering, but it brings people into fellowship and relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, my friends, it's when we have in our heart, I'm going to do. Jesus told a parable once about a man who was successful in his business, so successful he hadn't got enough room to store the produce of his business. And he said, I'm going to build 
bigger barns. Nothing wrong in that. But the focus was I. And when you exalt I, I can fall down. But when you exalt Christ, Christ will never fall. In fact, when we exalt Christ, what Jesus has promised is this. And when I am lifted up, Jesus said, I will draw all men to me. The life that's founded upon Christ speaks Christ, not self. It has a voice, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Paul again, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. When I is at the center, I says all things are focused around me. Life is mean because I am, I've, I've been dealt a hard blow. This person doesn't like me. This does, person doesn't accept me. This person rejects me. I, I, I. The, the, the life that's built on Christ, yes, it acknowledges that people are being mean, but it doesn't get destroyed. It doesn't get wiped away because the foundation is Christ. And it says this, the sufferings that I might endure in this life, listen, they're not even worthy to be compared with the glory that is ours, that will be revealed in us. Paul is not talking just about heaven, my friends. He's talking about now, that the glory of God will be revealed in us. It's time that Christians stopped seeing themselves as victims and realize that it's Christ that lives in us that is our glory. In 2 Corinthians 4, would you, would you do something for me? When you get home, would you read through these verses and read around them? Put them into context, please. They'll mean so much more. 2 Corinthians 4. Here Paul says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. You see, the life, the life that's built on Christ, the foundation, isn't looking to be fulfilled by these natural things of this earth. But rather, they're looking that this life is looking at the unseen, the spiritual, the eternal. And, and, and the, the life that's built on Christ is not saying, I want, I want, I need, I must have. It doesn't need to because when it's built on Christ, that life knows that it is fulfilled in Christ. Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. The life that's founded on Christ knows this. And it doesn't look, it doesn't say, I must have, I must have, I need. It isn't engaging with the, with the traps and the temptations of this natural world which are t- so temporary but it's being sustained and fulfilled because it's, it's looking into the eternal and it's seeing that Christ is my everything. And Christ is unchanging. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. Here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, l- listen to this. You say, what is the life of, a, of some, someone who is founded upon Christ all about? This is what Paul says. For me, life is all about Jesus Christ. 
all about Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes we read our Bibles, we read about people like Paul, and we, we see he's got this fancy title, Apostle Paul. And we elevate him into some place, some spiritual position above us, above ourselves, and we think, I could never be like him. He is chosen by God. Yes, he was, but so are we. So are we. Paul made a conscious decision when Christ appeared to him on that road to Damascus. He made a conscious decision. From here on in, my life is all about Jesus Christ. And and listen, listen, guys, you should read the book of Acts. If you think the Christian life is a life of comfort and blessing and luxury where everybody loves you, And everybody treats you beautifully. You need to read the book of Acts and see what happened to Paul. He was blinded when he got saved. Jesus sent a man called Ananias with a wonderful message to, to Saul. He said, Ananias, go and tell this man, Paul, listen, what great things he must suffer for my namesake. He didn't say, go and tell him that his bank balance will never be less than a million dollars. That everywhere he goes, people will love him. That he will have the biggest ministry, the most famous ministry. He will be sought after. He will have invitations to every seminar and conference and mega church on the face of this planet. No, he said, tell him how much he needs to suffer for my namesake. Now, and yet Paul still says, my life is all about Christ. Why? Because he said, I don't consider the sufferings of this temporal world to be even worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. Listen, his whole life, he declared, for me to live is Christ. Not not 50% and the rest, oh, I'm going to pursue a family life. I'm going to pursue a career. I'm going to pursue wealth. I'm going to pursue comfort. I've got to make make uh, preparations for my retirement. Nope. You don't retire in the kingdom of God. You don't. Don't go thinking when you're 60, 65, 70, you can hang up your spiritual shoes. There's no retirement. We don't have to prepare for it. I'm not saying don't be a good steward of your finances, but don't live for it. Don't live for what you haven't got. Live for what Christ has given you. Live for Christ 100%. Where you live, where you work, who you marry, what you use your finances for. For me to live, my whole life is all about Christ. What my children will do as they grow up. It is in the will of God. They will grow up to be people that love Christ and live for him. For me to live as Christ. He said, now if I've got to die, well, guess what? I gain. That's a different perspective to us, isn't it, maybe? This is the voice of one who's foundation. But he's not just saying words. He's not just saying it. He's living it. There's action. Read chapter 16 of the book of Acts when you get home. There's a beautiful story. Paul with some others, go. he goes into the the region of Macedonia. 
into a city called uh, Philippi. And, and there he goes, uh, and I love this. He says it was the Sabbath, and it was customary that we should go to the river and pray. <laughs> it's a good custom to have. On the Sabbath, on the Lord's Day, what do we do? Well, it's, 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 it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. I'm with the Lord's people. I only get to do that for one hour in a whole week. And and why should I ever want to miss that out? It's a (laughs) no-brainer. Anyway, so Paul was doing this. And and there were some women there. There was a lady called Lydia. She was a businesswoman. She didn't know Christ at that time. And and as Paul shared Jesus Christ with her, the Bible says her heart opened and she received him. She was baptized. (laughs) Praise God. And and so she she persuaded him to stay there for a little while. Uh, so he's walking around Philippi, and there's this poor young young girl, and her boss is a, is a mean guy, and, and she she's got this spirit of divination. She's like we would say maybe a, a fortune teller, yeah. Uh, you know, some people get engaged with tarot cards and and uh, fortune telling, and they think oh it's just harmless fun. Yeah, you better believe it's not. It is deathly. You know, you may be one that, that reads your, your stars. Your hor- horoscopes, is it called? Yeah, horror is, is a good word. Yeah, remember that bit, horror. Mm-hmm, serious. Don't do it. It's demonic. Demonic. And people, Christians, will read that instead of the Bible and believe it. It's... It, it's not only hogwash, it's demonic. And, and this, this poor young girl, she had been possessed, the Bible says, by a spirit of divination. And she, this, her master was, was abusing her, kind of fortune-telling and earning lots of money. And she would go behind Paul and she would say, I know who you are. I know who you're preaching. You're preaching about Jesus, the Son of God. And, 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 and eventually, it says here, <laughs> this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated I don't know whether he was upset with her or, or what it was, but he was exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And instantly it left her. As Christians, don't have conversations with demons. I know some people would, would encourage you to do that, but you never see Jesus doing it. It's always one way. <laughs> it's always one way. When Satan came to Jesus in the wilderness and, and started to tempt him and said, look, you could turn these stones into, into bread. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And when he tempted him to throw himself off a tall building and said the angels, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. You see that. He was the word of God and the word of God was living in him. And the only conversation we need to have with demons is like Paul had here. He said, hoi, out. I command you in the name of Jesus. Now don't go ghost busting. Don't go demon hunting. You never never see Jesus. You never see the apostles. Who are you going to call? Demon busters. And they got their little radars out, you know. Divination. I think you've got a spirit of lust in you. 
cast that out in Jesus' name. Listen, if the person's got a spirit of lust, it will be obvious. You don't need to have some kind of, you know, spiritual ET radar. It's all, it's all Hollywood. Hollywood's not heaven. Some of you need to hear that. Hollywood is make-believe pretense. No, he, he, Paul wasn't going wasn't gonna to do anything, but she just kept, she was being a, a, a pain. Or well, the devil was, in you know, the demon in her. And he says, look, out now. That's enough. You see, the, the, the person whose life is, is, is founded on, on Jesus believes in the authority of Jesus. Not their own authority. The authority of Jesus. And lives that way. We have been given that authority. We don't have to be afraid of demon activity. Does it happen? Well, yeah, of course it does. All, everywhere. All around us. But we don't get afraid of it. We don't get threatened by it. Why, why should we? When the worst it can do is kill us. It can't take away the life that Christ has given to us. It's impossible. So we don't go engaging into fun and games with it because there is no fun and there are no games. It's very serious. But we need to have that authority in the name of Jesus in our lives. When the devil comes knocking at our door and wants to try and take away things from us because he likes to be a thief, but he isn't without our permission, he comes knocking and says, uh, I, I'd like to take away your health. Yeah, last night I went, listen, you need to hear this. As I got into bed, it was, well, it was this morning actually, my wife said, are you okay? And I said, ah, oh, I've got a headache. And uh, she said, so how long have you had that? I said, well, it's been kind of getting worse through the evening. And I said, my, my, my throat is, is all dry. I feel all congested and blocked. And uh, <laughs> I said, I'm not having this. In the name of Jesus, I'm healed. Man, I woke up this morning. I slept like a student. You know what I mean if you're a teacher? I slept like a student. Ha <laughs> ha, healthy. Am I so fantastic and brilliant? No. My wife thinks I am. But God is. I, I know that authority. In the name of Jesus. I said in Jesus' name. Body, rest and be healed. My wife was having pain in her knee the other day couldn't kneel down so I laid hands on it and I said in Jesus your name is sovereign above all else and I command this need to be healed and it went <coughs> and she was able to bend it and it was free from pain praise God that's not boasting only in Christ because I don't do it Christ does it and so Paul he's upset this guy this businessman, because this, this girl now is not going to do any more fortune telling, and it upsets people in the town. Can I take five more minutes, please, just to finish? And they throw him in prison with Silas, and here they are, they're in prison, in jail. Okay, not a nice, comfortable jail with internet facilities and a 42-inch screen TV and the gym and everything else that jails have today. Probably... They shared a jail with rats and human effluence and all that sort of stuff. 
And here they are, and it's midnight. And Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. You see, the life that's founded on Christ worships God even in the face of adversity. And what's go- you see, what's going on in this natural realm does not change, it doesn't even affect the spiritual. It doesn't change the fact that Jesus Christ is still Lord. And one of the greatest weapons that Christ has given us against adversity is worship and prayer. But it can't be faked. Can't be faked. I know someone who was struggling with something in their heart for years. All they needed to do was to surrender to God, but they just would not surrender. And and they kept coming to me and saying, what must I say? What must I pray? I said, I can't give you the words to pray. And it isn't just a case of rehearsing things. They would say, I've, I've got these scriptures and I'm reading them over and over and over again and nothing's happening. And I said, just because you're not surrendering to the Lordship of Christ. Let pure worship come out of your heart with no strings attached. Love God with no conditions. God, I'll love you. Ah, please make me better. And I'll love you even more. You don't love him. Love him in spite of what's happening. You worship him. You praise him. What does the life do? It has action. When it's built upon Christ, it takes every opportunity to preach Christ. This jailer thought that his prisoners were escaping. They weren't. God was in control. And Paul was able to preach the gospel to the jailer. And the Bible says that night he was born again. The jailer and his family, they were baptized. You see... The life that's built upon Jesus Christ doesn't, doesn't just uh, wait for those fabricated times, for those gospel outreach services, for those church events. It is constantly allowing the life of Christ to, to be within and through that life as a channel, as a conduit, uh, 1 Corinthians, I can't remember the chapter 3, I think it is. Paul says we are vessels that this treasure is within. 1 Corinthians 2, thank you. I have a walking uh, Bible commentary, my friend. These vessels, these lives, they are but vessels for the treasure that's within. It's the life of Christ. And the life that's built on Christ takes every opportunity to preach who Christ is. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, you read these words of Paul. He's talking about things that he will suffer because he is obeying God. And he says this, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race With joy. (laughs) My, do we need to hear that? There's joy. It's not just hanging on. I spoke last week how that we've got to change our thinking on how we talk about my life as a Christian is just a sacrifice. I'm giving up things for God. No, you're not. You can't. God is the one that gives things to us. 
And when his life fully saturates us, the things of this earth, this world grow strangely dim. And we let go of everything that would hinder us in knowing Christ and him crucified, living through us. My friends, that's joy unspeakable. That's not, that's not costly. That's not a sacrifice. That's a joy that we should allow things to be taken or we should, we should let go of things that would hinder. Why would we want to stop that life flow with these temporal flesh-type things? And Paul says, I'm going to finish my race with joy. In another translation, the New Living Translation, Paul says it this way, my life is worth nothing, nothing. My life is worth nothing unless I use it for fulfilling that which God has called me to, which is to preach the gospel. It was his life. My friends, it's our life. It's our life too. Every aspect of our life is and must be founded, built upon Christ and no other foundation. For there is no other foundation that can be laid except Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the the proven and tested cornerstone, the living stone, the foundation, the rock of our salvation. To close, homework, read 2 Samuel 22. This man, David, he's living hundreds of years before Jesus, and yet he says, the Lord is the rock of my salvation. Read his song that he sung. Read the Psalms. Read the Bible. Praise God. Father, we, we praise you. Because you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Here it is. In Christ Jesus. When we remove or we seek to build our lives on something that is not Christ, Father, we know that we don't enjoy those blessings because, because we're looking for things from other places. Lord, I thank you that you're committed to us. You're committed. Holy Spirit, you're committed to constantly drawing us to the life-giving living stone, the chief cornerstone, the rock of our salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As we're in prayer this morning, I want to ask this question. Is there anybody here and you've, who've never given their life to Jesus Christ And you say, I've got to do that right now. This is a very, very sober moment right now. You know that your life is not built on Jesus. But some other foundation that is just shifting temporary sand. It's not rock. And you know by the conviction of the Holy Spirit that you must give your whole life to Christ right now. I wonder if there's anyone here like that this morning. You have to realize that this is not just an emotional thing, but what you're going to do is you're going to give 
the whole of you to Jesus. He will take your sinful nature and he will give you a new nature, a holy nature, a Christ nature. And your life will never be the same because you will no longer live for this world. You will no longer live for yourself. You, you no longer belong to yourself, but to Christ. I wonder if there's anybody here this morning like that. If there is, I want to pray with you. I want you to pray in your hearts these words. Say, God, up until this moment, my life has been in my control. I have done what I want to do. And I realize that my heart is full of sin. I know that I must be saved. I must give my life, my whole life to Jesus. I must receive him as my savior. I must make him the Lord, the master of my life. And, and, and it is with joy and thanksgiving that I come to you to do that right now. I give my whole life, my whole future, everything about me now belongs to you. You are my Lord, my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me the gift of your Holy Spirit who is with me every second of every day. And he will never leave me. He will be my strength. He will be my guide. He will keep me joined one with Christ. I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.